Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Hi, good morning, everybody. Welcome in Miller and Condon on a just an awful Monday. Des Moines, for a lot of reasons, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. 106.3 on the FM dial is Trent Condon and Ken Miller. We take you up until noon talking local sports whenever we can here uh, in the next couple of hours. BMW of Des Moines guest list looks like this. Only one guest in the first hour. Although the topics that we were going to spend most of the segment discussing with Scott Dockerman obviously have changed. Yes, we'll recap uh, the practice uh, from Saturday. Get the, uh, the highs and the lows through Scott's eyes. You'll do that at 10.30, but clearly the CJ Frederick news that is coming out uh, will take precedence over that. Uh, at uh, 11.05, as we do each and every Monday during baseball season, our friend Matt Snyder from CBSSports.com slides in here. His regular spot will recap the the uh, week that was and set up the week ahead in MLB. Boy, the Padres Dodgers got a good feeling to it. If you like baseball, does it not for the middle of April? And we'll see them again this week in a four-game set. And we wondered out loud why the Padres and the Dodgers weren't Sunday night baseball this uh, past Sunday, damn it. Well, the reason is they are next Sunday. Uh, so we'll get that just a week later than we anticipated. Uh, Matt Snyder at 11.05, and then we'll talk some Big 12 with our friend Matt Postens, Heartland College Sports. Uh, dot com about eleven twenty five. Tanner Groves is a Sooner. We'll do basketball with him, um, but we have to start basketball here in our uh, backyard, um, if you want to call it that. Iowa City. C.J. Frederick news come, came out last night. Rob Howe first to uh, with with the news. Uh, most of the Iowa media uh, gave Rob credit for the for breaking it, except for the newspaper here in Des Moines which is disappointing, uh, but um, they didn't. Regardless, the news is, uh, in fact, that C.J. Frederick will be leaving. He's long. He's gone. He's gone. It's it's over. Not sure where he's going to end up, Trent. Well, you want to speculate? Well, I, I think it's a team that has grass named after it in the state of Kentucky. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. They have a one of the shadiest guys in college basketball history running things. Now, come on. Uh, let's see. They got a transfer mid-year from West Virginia. Uh-huh. That went into the portal, and all of a sudden, a day later, he ended up in Kentucky. How did that Things happen? Things happen fast. Yeah, no, no tampering there. And this rumor now culminates here on April 19th today mm-hmm. that has been out there since January. Now, we've talked about this plenty of times, mm-hmm. and I told you this is something that has been making the rounds for a very long time. But first of all, I scoffed at it. I scoffed at it because C.J. Frederick isn't good enough to be a starter on a good Kentucky team. He just isn't. He is an elite offensive player. Yes, he is. Elite offensively. You can put him in a category of some of the best college basketball players on the offensive end. Defensively, though, he is awful. There is not a metric out there, outside of maybe the try-hard effort, that is about the only one. that. But things that measure defensive efficiency, he is How was he last year? He was uh, rated at a 110. And then this year he was rated at what? 109. Okay, so um, I was going to say, did the plantar fasciitis at all have anything to do with his lack of uh, defensive efficiency? Wasn't very good in either of the seasons. Now, he was banged up on both of them, Mm -hmm. but I don't think this is going to be a guy that suddenly is going to become an elite defender. He's bad. I can shoot the three. He's got that going for him. Offensively, even not just three-point shooting, just as a whole, 
He is an off- offensive player that is at the top of college basketball. That's how that good surprises me. Yeah, but on the other end, here's the thing: C.J. Frederick at a good Kentucky team is what mm, eight to ten to twelve. Yeah, I don't in, know in that range. If that's what you want, you want to go back. Well, is home? this his? Is this was this his dream growing? Because where is he from? He's either from Kentucky or Cincinnati. He went to high school in. He's from Cincinnati, but he lived on the Kentucky side of the border. Gotcha. Be like a Quad City kid yep. that yep lived on lived in Rock Island, but you know everything was Iowa for whatever mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. It's a border town, and he was on the Kentucky side of the border. But, but playing for the Cats was a dream of his, was it? I, Does from he the do- sound of things, it might have been his uncle's dream. Oh, his okay. uncle who played for Fran at yep, Notre Dame. Yep, and that was the connection. That was right? the connection. Mm-hmm. That was the family connection. That's what it went back to. And when CJ coming out of high school didn't have a lot of opportunities, was his uncle's relationship um, used in any way to get CJ to why? Because remember, he did he came without a scholarship first? He year. he graciated, right? Yeah. yeah, he had plenty of opportunities to. Get a four for four. He went five for four. Now it ended up there was an open scholarship, so he never did have to pay his own way. But that was originally kind of the deal right. with him. We don't have a scholarship, but five for four. And then they ended up finding one for him. Yeah, that that's how the door opened. That's how it went. So it's time to speculate a little bit. Okay, this has been out here from the Matt Jones of Kentucky's uh-huh. world since January. Yep. Well, how would they know this information? Outside of just wild speculation, yeah. here's a kid from Kentucky that's shooting the ball really well, and they need shooters. They tapped into whatever back channel was being used amongst the player and perhaps the player's family and the and the uh, and the program. Uncle Joe, I'm sure, was making these phone calls. Uh-huh. Uncle Joe is assistant coach at the high school CJ went with, played at Notre Dame, knows a lot of people in basketball in that state. He knew how to, who to call. And it's trend. It's not like he was keeping it a secret because there's a lot. Is it Twitter or was it Instagram um, that people? Hawkeye fans overnight seemingly have found uh, went back in his timeline and, and found that you know C- Joe Frederick CJ's uncle that you're referring to was referencing this throughout the basketball season. Mm-hmm. Help is on the way. Well, what does that mean? Yes, right. A kind of uh, caustic, if you will. Um, Without saying CJ's name, he said that CJ Frederick was transferring to Kentucky. Uh-huh. And at the time we saw that, and we saw the reports that were picked up by Kentucky Sports Radio, Matt Matt Jones, mm-hmm. right. And, yes, they were there, but it didn't seem like this was I, – I, and you were the same way. We couldn't really connect the dots. And then as recent as all the way back to, well, last Wednesday, <laughs> right. McCaffrey's meeting with the media, and he's quoted – he was asked about C.J. Frederick. And I'm, I think I'm – maybe I don't have the quote verbatim, but it's close. C.J. Frederick is chomping at the bit bit to get back into the gym. I, I remember seeing the exact that same thing. That was Wednesday. So my connection over in the athletic department, Iowa City. CJ was going through workouts late this week. This this is Thursday, Friday. He was going through workouts with Coach Maxwell, the strength and conditioning coach. Did something change? Or was CJ Frederick and his family just lying? Because to me, that's the only thing that makes sense. It's the timing that stinks, Trent. It's the timing that stinks in this whole From thing. what Fran said, be, we're now a month past the NCAA tournament uh-huh. game. And it's just sitting there. And then you see... And didn't C.J. Frederick shoot those rumors down at one point? Wasn't he point blank asked? I don't remember that I part. thought he was asked. 
And because no, he hasn't talked to the media since the end of the season. But I think it was prior to the end of the season. Oh, okay, that could have been. But again, at that point, what are you going to say? Yeah, after right, the season. Yeah, getting, yeah. No, I know. Look, I have no problem with kids transferring. No. I, I don't. I don't think you feel the same way. I think it's about time that the kids get an opportunity. Coaches can't, why can't players? It's the timing that kind of stinks here, right? Mm-hmm. If he would have come out right after the season ended, I, I don't think he'd be getting the blowback that's coming his way. Again, I'm kind of torn with this. Well, and the blowback, we have two things that happened in Iowa basketball. One was Jack Dungey. You understand it. Yeah. And it's not like he went to Evansville, which is a hop, skip, and a jump away from home. He still transferred to Xavier that's three and a half hours away. Uh-huh. It's not like mom's going to be doing his laundry and he's get to you know go see his sister and things like that. It's a full day if you're going to do that, but it is closer. People understood it. People are not understanding no. this because it stinks. The tampering ang- angle for Kentucky at the forefront of it, coupled with C.J. Frederick. Minutes were going to be there. Mm-hmm. You're going to be a starter. The offense is going to run through you. And here's the thing. This is more of a fan thing for me. I like C.J. Frederick a lot as a basketball yeah, player. T- I like his toughness and the fact that he's willing to play hurt. Him. And he did. That Wisconsin game his freshman year, two years ago, when he told those guys to get the blank off my court, yes, <laughs> Iowa needed that guy. Yeah. Iowa needs those kind of guys, the guys that aren't going to back down. And the big clangers that he had in big moments, going back to his freshman year, Against Texas Tech, mm-hmm. a team coming off playing for in a national Vegas, championship. Right? Yeah. yeah. And he was out there and he wanted the ball in those yeah. big moments. Yep. And from what Iowa basketball was in November of that year, they get blown off the court by DePaul. It looked like the world was caving in. Xavier Foster announced he was going to Iowa State, a lifelong Hawkeye fan, yet they turned it around. Is this, though, big picture now? The beginning of the end for Fran McCaffrey. I still got another son that's coming through. Um, the program you would think. I mean, the, I, I've never seen the kid play. He's four years away, though. Still. Right, but, I, but I'm but i told at this point he's f- way further ahead than his two brothers were. Different type of player. Not as athletic as Patrick. Yeah. Uh, more of a back-to-the-basket kind of big guy. And Fran just got re-upped, too, don't He forget. did. He got the contract. But I'm speaking of, look, is this thing heading south now? With the way the college well, basketball is changing. Look at next changing. year's roster. Sure. They've had... You can afford a bad team, though. Coming off a team like this, ranked in the top ten... You could have a step back. I'm talking about two, three, four years down the line. Gotcha. College basketball. The well, way does it's he evolved. adapt, Trent? Does Does Fran McCaffrey adapt? And I think that is the million dollar question. Because part of that press conference that we were referring to when he was asked about C.J. Frederick, a lot of it had to do with the transfer portal, and he, Fran doesn't like it. Yeah, he came right out and said he doesn't like it. There's nothing wrong with the way it used to be. Well, yeah, there is. Um, and he was a transfer himself. He doesn't like the the free agency aspect. Mm-hmm. Because he sat out a year. He mm-hmm. transferred and he sat out because that's what you did. Evolve or die. And you have to. Fran McCaffrey is as stubborn, as hard headed as any coach we've seen in this state in a really long time. We joke about Kirk in his old fashioned ways. Yeah. Kirk has evolved. There's no doubt he has. He, he has changged. He has evolved with uh-huh. the game. I mean, new Kirk didn't come to him for nothing. Right. Now, is it at the level that some people want? Of course it isn't. But he has evolved. I don't know if Fran McCaffrey has, and I don't know Trent, if he will. He has no will. choice. I don't know if he will. I mean, t- take a look at that roster. Yeah. He has no choice but to get involved in this, and big time. And, you know, we talked about what T.J. Otzelberger had, go- had going for him when it came to his rec- – I got playing time. If you want to come here, you <laughs> yeah. can play. Right. I mean, we need starters. That's T.J.'s sell- uh, sales pitch. 
Fran McCaffrey can borrow that. Yes. Fran McCaffrey's got plenty of available men. I mean, look at that roster, Trent. What's going to be what it was and what's going to be left of it. I mean, there's one starter after Luca Garza, 31 minutes. Wieskamp, 30 minutes. Bohannon, maybe we'll say, save him for a second. Frederick, 25 minutes a game. Nunji, 16 minutes a game. I don't know if Connor McCaffrey's going to be ready to play in November. His dad said he was. But that's two hip surgeries, and you're going to be ready in November. And if you are, to what extent, how healthy will you be? So we mentioned Jordan Bohannon, who seemingly was on his way out if the rumors are to be uh, taken as maybe not verbatim, but a modicum of truth to them. Uh, apparently, a conversation happened between Coach and Bohannon, and you know, Coach thought maybe it's time for you to move on. Uh, Jordan Bohannon has it perfectly within his rights. To, everybody does. You want a free year? Take advantage of it. Um, does McCaffrey's tune change when it comes to Jordan Bohannon? If indeed you're were to believe. How that conversation went. Does he roll out the red carpet for him now? I mean, he needs shooters, Trent. He, he needs bodies as much as anything. You look at the roster and the way that it's constructed. It's going to be different. This oh, is going God. to be a different type of team. And the good news with it, I guess if you want to paint with a happier brush, is seems going to be better defensively. Just the guys that are going to be out there much better. Rhetoric, bad defender. Bohannon, bad defender. Wieskamp, adequate Garza, bad defender. You're talking about four guys. Three and a half of them were pretty bad on the defensive end Mm -hmm. of the floor. So you're going to bring out better defensive players. And McCaffrey's teams are always, at the very least, good offensively. Usually terrible defensively. Mm -hmm. But if you substitute good, but you still have to have a shooter out there, right? you got to have a couple of guys that can There's where Jordan Bohannon comes in. And and Euless and Toussaint and Perkins. You can be excited about their athleticism Mm -hmm. and ability to get to the rim and deep people up. None of them could shoot a lick, at least from what we've seen at this point in their career. What does that conversation go like? Because the question was asked last week to McCaffrey, what do you say about Bohannon if he decides to come back to Tucson, to Euless? And it was, well, they get another year too. I don't think that's going to be good enough. I mean, all right, this guy, he stuck around an extra year than when you first committed, than what you thought, and both of those guys. And now, well, you're going to get an extra year when you're 24. Think that slides real well for a twenty-year-old kid? Uh, no, not when they not when they uh, looked into the future and saw that this was going to be their opportunity, right. or, or uh, November of two thousand twenty-one. I don't know, Trent. I mean, here we are on April the nineteenth, and let's do this exercise: power mm-hmm. rank the power rank the big four in our state. Oh, <laughs> uh, Valley Valley <laughs> coin flip. Drake, you and I, and then who, who do you like more between Iowa and Iowa State? <laughs> kind of like that. Well, and, and think of Drake, too, what they dealt with with Yesifu. And right. I don't want to be overly hyperbolic here. I hate this. I hate this part of college athletics. And I was with you. I was about giving kids an opportunity, uh-huh. letting them do what they want. Until it affects your squad. <laughs> well, it, it, yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. Because now, how do you recruit? If Fran is going to keep recruiting the way that he does, does that mean that every... Bowen Bourne of the world that ends up at UNI, mm. you just say, we're going to take a sh- shot on that kid, and then we'll supplement it with grad transfer X, Y, and Z. You, you just go that route. Or is it making those calls to Drake and you and I? And how do Drake and you and I now, how do you recruit when you know this is going to happen? You know, you, you're going to have a guy that goes down to the spotlight like right. this. Right. 
And then you just leave. You're no longer a four-year school. Not at all. No. It's like junior college. Right. It is in a lot of ways. I mean, look at the two guys. Look at Liam Robbins. Mm -hmm. Comes out, really sets his course at Drake Leafs. Yesifu didn't have much of an opportunity. Got his opportunity. Took complete advantage of it. Appears in one shining moment. Leafs. Um, It's a good question, Trent. And it's um, something that I'm guessing that both at Drake and at you and I, that they are having those discussions. How do you recruit going forward in this era? Because it's going to be a feeder system in a lot of ways. Recruiting Not for everybody, yeah. but if you get a kid who's, who's and all of a sudden the light goes on and the reason he's with you in the first place is he wasn't good enough for that Power 5 school and the light goes on, Pretty good chance he's gonna he's gonna take that advantage. You know, one of the guys and one of the reasons I thought CJ Frederick wouldn't go to Kentucky is because they already got a grad transfer in Kellen Grady, who was a four year starter at Davidson, very good basketball program in its own right, mm-hmm. averaged between seventeen and eighteen points a game all four years. He was at Davidson. Six five shooting guard. I'm gonna guess that guy's gonna get quite a few minutes, you would anticipate. The spot's already taken, right? Yeah. And that's the place that you're going to go. But a place like Davidson, good basketball program. You have this guy, and he gets an extra year, and he ends up at Kentucky. Mm. You're talking about a team that's going to be an NCAA tournament team, more than likely, and yet he still walks. And that, you know what? You just hit on something. So kids, kids that are transferring, I would assume, want to go to a place that they can play in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Does this kind of eliminate Iowa from some of those – uh, kids that have uh, stars in their eyes regarding the NCAA term because this look like an NCAA tournament roster to anybody, any recruit that wants to come in at this point? There's a big guy that played at a NAIA program. I want to say, I can't remember what it's called. Regardless, he was one of the top players in the country. Big guy, 6'11", 240, can shoot it from the outside. Where's he going? Well, he hasn't announced yet. Is but Iowa in the mix? Iowa is in the mix. And this is one, sounds like his decision is going to be down the road a little bit more. But... Perfect example there. Boy, got C.J. Frederick out there. Got this this team. If I go there... I might be the missing link. I might put them over the top. Now you look around. Trent, mm. you can't count on Connor McCaffrey. No. You no. just can't. I know that... The, that look, Fran said you th- he's counting on him. But they're all gone. All of them are gone. Mm-hmm. Every single starter. If Bohannon doesn't come back. It's Keegan Murray, then what? Hopefully Chris is the same as Keegan. Hopefully. And a lot of question marks. Gundelay? Yeah. Patrick? He's tall. I like Patrick's game. I mean, not every game, but he certainly had his moments. With that, the McCaffrey aspect coaching his sons, and specifically Connor. You and I, for the first couple of years of Connor McCaffrey, were the lone folks in his fan club. Yes. Because we knew that the little things that he did, how important it was, getting guys in the right spot getting the ball into the post and, mm-hmm. and on and on those little His things. attitude the toughness the, the iowa state game with michael jacobson got involved and jacobson was the only cyclone <laughs> surrounded by four hawks and the cyclones are running the other end of the floor thinking well, come on the nose-to-nose photo with the guy from illinois yes. i mean th- those that's why i love Connor mccaffrey's game but he wasn't this that guy not this, this year, year. No, no but it's the hips and but he kept playing while cj frederick was sitting out games uh-huh. did did that Maybe taint the relationship. Again, this is just I, speculation. I hope not, Trent. I hope not. Plantar fasciitis, or hips, I would assume. Mm-hmm. You, you don't know what's the pain threshold of any single kid. Look, I, I, when I saw C.J. Frederick on the floor, there was games in particular I can remember thinking, there's no way in hell he's going to play for the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. There he was in the very next game, giving it a go. 
Um, he wasn't good in the tournament. He wasn't good down the stretch. But go back to Christmas night in Minnesota, the game after that, and how many we had calls. Twitter was the second-best Hawkeye on this team. It's not Joe Camp. It's not Jordan Bohannon. Luca Garza, and then it's C.J. Frederick. Which was ridiculous at the time. Well, but, but he'd had a couple of good games, is my point. Offensive games. I, I agree with you. <laughs> But there was a lot of folk. Chris Hassel was I the know. leader he, of that he was, fan club. He was club. on the let it, and, and I thought it was idiotic then, and it still is. He was a, he had a really hot stretch there mm-hmm. offensively. That's what he is. Joe Wieskamp is a superior play and player in so many different aspects of the game. That aside, though, the, the the other thing, yes, he had the injuries, but this has been out there since January. Yeah. Do you think that that weighed on him too? His poor play down the stretch. I think it was the injury, Trent. I, I really think it yeah. was the injury. Um, I think the fact that the fact that he was willing to play hurt tells me he's a team guy. Well, he's part of the team now. When the season ended, it became well. Now, now we know crystal clear that mm-hmm. you know that it was never going to. I, I don't know when the timing would be right. Seemingly sooner rather than later. Um, but as John Bowenkamp tweeted today, the transfer portal is a two-way two, two street. Mm-hmm. Just because you got guys going into it doesn't mean you can't take a kid out of it. So, Fran McCaffrey, um, it, it's time to get with the program. It does. You you have to, uh-huh. as said earlier, evolve or die. You have to. And this program, pick up the phone, call Otzelberger, ask him what he you know. I mean, whoever you, uh, whoever your confidence is, uh, confidant is. Reach out to them. And with that, the evolution, the change in college basketball. You don't have to like it, but you have to be willing to adapt. Hard-headed. Mm-hmm. Set in his ways. It seemingly is. And I would say a guy that's probably difficult to bring new ideas into. I know there's some thoughts out there. Well, this is a blip. They will get back. They're going to have a lot of scholarships to play with, and they'll go out and they'll find the next Luca Garza, and they'll find the next Keegan Murray. Because Fran, those under the radar guys. Here's another thought, though, and maybe they will. But when Devin Marvin came to Iowa, his dream school was Michigan State. After a year or two playing well, what's stopping him from going back to Michigan State? Mm-hmm. Aaron White, one of your favorites, <laughs> outside of trying to go to the free throw line, right? But after a couple of good Between years, the years one of my favorites, Buckeyes come calling. Yeah, and he's going home. Mm-hmm. The way Fran McCaffrey recruits, that's a problem, as we see right here today with C.J. Frederick. These next tier guys, these guys ranked one hundred and fifty to three hundred, that don't have their dream offer. But you come in and you develop them. It's not going to be able to happen anymore. Not at the same level <sighs> that it once was. You're going to have to change. You're going to have to be different because Luca Garza. Nice year. He's going to end up back at Georgetown or Maryland. And so many of those guys are going to go closer to home. That's why I think going after, we got a couple of prospects here. The kid from the Kramer kid from Johnston. You just offer him right now. Say, come on. You know, they got Sanford coming in from Waukee. And just say, let's get these local guys here and then fill in the gaps. Maybe that's the way you're going to have to yeah, win. Sanford's going to be, he might be forced to play a little earlier than well, some They need a shooting. That is for sure. It, it's, um, yeah, it's just just wild. All right, uh, Scott Dockerman coming up. We'll get uh, we'll get to Doc on the uh, other side of this quick timeout. We'll I'm sure we'll talk a lot of football with Doc, but we'll get into this basketball situation as well. He's got minutes, he's got mm-hmm. playing time available, he's got roster spots. Fran McCaffrey does. 
But uh, he's going to have to dip his toe into it, whether he wants to or not. He's got no choice. You have to. And the past, Bakari Evelyn, okay. Yeah. Uh, that was a gap filler that he had a prior relationship mm-hmm. with. You got to be able to do more than, than just prior relationships. You know, there has to be a deeper understanding. We might not know this guy, and we're going to see if he is going to be the right fit, but you can't just blindly turn your back to everybody that you didn't know in the past. You didn't have a connection to their high school coach or their AAU coach or even recruited them. you got to open it up more if you're even going to be competitive. Right now, this team, 13th in the Big Ten next mm. year. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know the answer to the question, but certainly. And after what oh we went through God. with Iowa State, this we don't want that. No, it's, not it's not fun. fun. No. We want Iowa, Iowa State, you and I, Drake, all to be good. Yes. It's better for us. It's a lot more fun to talk about good teams than trying to put lipstick on a pig. Mm-hmm. Uh, we tried to do plenty of times with Iowa State basketball this year. Yeah, 0-18. And it felt it. It did. Felt Every like, single part of them. Felt like 0-18 times. No question. All right, Scott Dockerman coming up. Trent, I don't have the keyword, so I'll have to rely on you. Yep. It's time for another uh, $1,000 home run. Enter the keyword. Spring at K Spring seriously. Look outside. <laughs> spring at kxno.com for your chance to win a thousand dollars. That's spring. Uh kxno.com. A pop-up box will appear. And once you get to kxno.com, the ten o'clock keyword is spring. Scott Dockerman from the Athletic Next. Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO 106.com. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM, this is KXNO. Hi, welcome back. 1460 KXNO 106.3 on the FM dial. Hour number two. Matt Snyder, CBSSports.com. We'll talk a little ML, well, a lot of MLB. Look forward to that. And then Matt Postens from Heartland College Sports on the Big 12. But right now, Scott Docterman uh, of The Athletic. He joins the program. We'll recap his two outstanding articles. We will uh, witness the spring practice through Doc's eyes. He was in the building. We'll be again uh, a week from uh, this coming Saturday, May the 1st, when they'll wrap things up. We'll do some basketball as well. And Doc joins us. By the way, if you're a Hawkeye fan, Doc has his um, live chat today, I believe, from noon until 1. So if you're an athletic subscriber, time to get in there and uh, pose your question to Doc. We'll do the same right now as he joins us. Hello, Doc, Trent, and Ken. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. How about yourselves? Is any snow on the ground yet? Yes, indeed, there Plenty is. Of Plenty of snow. It's, um, have you guys got it too or no? No, just a little bit of cold rain, cold November rain, you know, to go to the NRC in April anyway. So, uh, you know, it's probably coming our way, though. Feels like Iowa should be playing Illinois in football. It's one of those <laughs> kind of November days uh, here today. Doc, I'm assuming that you're, uh, that the live chats you're doing at noon, uh, your questions maybe have taken a different kind of 
turn um, from uh, one football question after another now to picking your brain a little on basketball. We'll get to football. I read both of your pieces over the weekend, the quarterbacks and the backups, as well as some of the guys that impress you. We'll get to that uh, from the uh, your viewing of the practice uh, this past Saturday. But we'll have to start with C.J. Frederick, who just as recently as Wednesday, uh, Fran McCaffrey came in and said he's chomping to get uh, back into the gym uh, and start rehabbing and getting ready. Uh, and then here we are um, just a few days later, and C.J. Frederick will go into the transfer portal and is leaving the program. Doc, it's been rumored for a while. Um, what do you think is behind it? Just a grew up a Kentucky fan. Uh, what's behind this, do you think, Doc? Well, I'd rather you know hear from CJ himself about this, and uh, you know, as a you know Cincinnati kid who grew up on the Kentucky side, there's an awfully strong pull to to the you know Kentucky blue. I mean, it's it's uh, a different phenomenon than what we experience in this part of the country. It's, it's you know, I, I guess it would probably be like what Notre Dame or Ohio State football or Bama. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's it's got a pull that you, it's hard to really. Uh, you know, it's hard to really get into. But, you know, I, so it's hard to say. You know, if he grew up a Kentucky fan, he has that opportunity. It's there. The transfer portal gives it the opportunity to, to go and play right away. I mean, that's those are some powerful entities that, you know, that and avenues that you didn't have even a few years ago. So I think that's uh, that's got to be behind some of this. Uh, but, you know, there is, there's got to be some concern if you're a <laughs> – you know, an Iowa fan right now, when you look at your team and what it was and what it could be, and, you know, I mean, you had a, a top-five team all year, uh, you know, finished, what, 13th overall. You had Luca Garza, the best player in basketball. You had Joe Wieskamp, certainly one of the better players. Uh, Jordan Bohannon, the career leader in assists and three-pointers. And those three, I mean, I think, you know, uh, Wieskamp would probably stay in the NBA draft. And then, you know, a couple other guys you thought would either start or play a ton, and, and and Jack Dungey and, and C.J. Frederick both leaving and, and heading to a different part of the country. I mean, you're just you're decimated at this point. So uh, this is a, this has got to be a real concern right now as to where they are and where they're headed uh, because they went from being you know considered an NCAA championship team to man, could they even get to the NIT next year? And seems like a stretch, certainly the way the roster currently is constructed. Doc, one more on the basketball front for me. And just, you know, Fran incredibly well. You've been covering him last couple of years, not on a game-to-game basis. But he's very hard-headed, at least from our vantage point. Not exactly the guy that seems willing to adapt, to change, to evolve. Do you think he has it in him? With college basketball changing the way that it is, is he going to change with it? Yeah, I think he will. I just wonder to what level. I mean, will he be ultra-aggressive or will it be passive and only in case break glass? I mean, and, and it's kind of strange because his background, I mean, he was a transfer. He started at Wake Forest and went to Penn, and he had a bunch of, uh, you know, and, and he's been able to grab a grad transfer, even though, he, even though he's been wholeheartedly against it. You know, Bakari Evelyn a few years ago was, was a uh, – grad transfer so i think he will i think he'll he'll understand very quickly that if you don't if you, if you ignore the transfer portal and the the benefits of free agency then you're going to be uh, toast in this league and you know for all year every interview we've heard we've said how tough the big 10 is well you better get a team that can compete it and or otherwise you're going to go from 
and you know, number what three in the Big Ten to to what to twelve, and just in a blink of an eye. So, uh, yeah, I think he's got it in him. I mean, he's a competitive guy. He understands the situation. It's just going to be where does he get those guys, and and how quickly you know. If you're number two in recruiting, you're last. So that's going to be the biggest. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic, well put. Again, Doc's got a uh, live chat coming up at The Athletic at, uh, from noon until 1 uh, here today. Doc, uh, Trent, are you done with basketball? Let's let's move to football. Uh, you were in uh, Kinnick, apparently, what, what did I see, 65 to 7,500? Somewhere in that range of fans showed up uh, to witness it, to get back into the stadium for the first time in a long time. Let's start with the quarterbacks, Doc. What did you see out of Petrus, uh, Padilla, and Deuce Hogan? I guess the backups both had their moments, but uh, Spencer Petrus looked like QB1. Is that what you saw, Doc? Yeah, I think so. I mean, they, they all kind of, I, w- I would say their production was real similar. Um, I, there were aspects that I liked of Alex Padilla. His first drive was, was pretty good. I mean, he was very uh, accurate. He found good receivers and, you know, really only, uh, you know, one drop of the end zone really kind of prohibited him from being you know outstanding all day or at least in that drive that sequence so Deuce Hogan had some nice plays I thought he was probably still a little young still a little uh inexperienced you could tell in kind of his decision making and but that's going to come along and shows a pretty good starter kit but I think with Spencer Petrus what we've seen is you know he's he's got he showed the potential that He's going to be a pretty good quarterback, and I think he also is a little bit more decisive, and he could just see he could have more command on the field. And and uh, yes, it's practice; it's one of nine. You know, Cook first kind of said that you know that one really was pretty representative of what they've seen. And and uh, you know, quarterbacks do grow; quarterbacks do get better. And uh, I know some people just wanted to throw him away from last year, and he had some bad games, no question, but he also had some pretty good games, a good moment. So I think we saw a growth with, with Spencer Petras, and if that continues, it, and don't forget that, I mean, going against Iowa's defense isn't exactly the easiest point. Uh, situation for anybody, and you know, and then certainly a quarterback in practice, yeah, they had a few guys out, but sort of the offense, so I thought, you know, by and large, he looked pretty good. You know, uh, Kirk said that experience certainly is on the side of of Petrus. We know that. After that, he said it's pretty wide open. If this schedule was changed this year, and it was Kent State, Colorado State, then Indiana, Iowa State afterwards, would this be more of an open competition and maybe more willing to see those first couple of games who it is? But because it's Indiana, a preseason top 20 team, and then Iowa State, a preseason maybe top five team, does that change the way this quarterback competition goes in your mind? I don't think so. I think it probably solidifies Petrus initially, but I think it also could elevate one of the younger players. And the reason why I say that is I can't see Deuce Hogan, for instance, going into Ames for his first road start, you know, or maybe his first start. <laughs> That you know, and and against this Iowa State team, that's awfully that's a lot to ask. So that they would go the other way. However, if Spencer Petras falters, if he doesn't play well, then I think you've got those two games right after that to say, all right, let's do an open competition or let's give somebody else a chance. Kind of the way um, I mean, I'm almost dating myself here. It is 2008 
with Jake Christensen and, and uh, Rick Stanzi, where they kind of went back and forth for four games before settling on Stanzi. And I think what we'll see is probably experience. You're playing two really good teams, two bowl teams for sure, uh, right off the bat. You're going to want to lean on that experience and, and then uh, just see how he performs because that's the kind of performance that will be indicative of how he would go against you know, at Northwestern, at Wisconsin, teams like that. So if there's really no ascension, if there's no, if he didn't get better, then I think that that two-week gap after that is probably the time to go, you know what, let's, let's give somebody else a shot, see what he can do. Padilla, the thing that I think intrigues me and a lot of people is the running ability. Is A, is that overstated? How much do you think in a real college game he can tuck it and run? And secondly, He's a little guy compared to the rest of them. How big of an aspect is that? Uh, I think the, the the height is probably a factor. It's just how he could see the defense and, and throw, um, you know, see avenues and lanes to throw through. And, and I, so that is a factor. Uh, the running ability is, is a port. Um, I think Iowa is probably undervalued that over the years at that position. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also uh, – you know, Ken O'Keefe last year kind of went through it with me as to what their thoughts are on, on that position. And, and running ability is down the list. I mean, they want him to be able to really see the field and call and, and do a whole bunch of other different things mentally as much as physically and make every throw. And we've seen that a lot of times with, with dual-threat quarterbacks. They can't make every throw, but they can do so many different things in the running game that, that kind of mitigates some of that. I, I think that Padilla has that opportunity that if he gets in there and if he's a little bit skittish or something in the pocket, that he can take off and, and create some, some yards. But by and large, I don't know that, that that's not going to really sway uh, the decisions here. But, you know, one thing I was intrigued a little bit with, with what Kirk said about, you know, just looking at the competition is, you know, is he going to throw Deuce more with the second teamer um, in, the, in the coming weeks just to give him or, or even first team just to give him better looks that way because it sounded more like Petrus has really differentiated himself but that Padilla and Hogan are, are much closer than maybe we would have thought a few weeks ago. Doc let's uh, get into the category that you called eye catchers in your piece that came out this morning at the Athletic and Keegan Johnson's a name that certainly has been you know has been one of the, um, the buzz names I guess from uh, from spring practice thus far he gets there early and is taking advantage of that opportunity. Doc is he going to play this year? I mean is, is this is is his skill set uh, one that would lead you to believe that there's opportunities for him this fall? Absolutely. I think both he and Arlen Bruce are going to play and play a lot. In fact, it wouldn't shock me at all if, if Keegan Johnson ends up starting very early in his career. I mean, Kirk's never had any uh, the true freshman start in, his, in the season opener. Desmond King uh, started in game two at Dominic Douglas in game three um, of their fre- true freshman year. But I think Keegan Johnson has a chance. He was out there with the first unit um, through most of the day. Uh, you know, Tyro Tracy, who was tremendous, was was obviously out there. Charlie Jones and Keegan Johnson, and then you know, you figure Dinko Regani when he gets back and he's healthy, he'll be in that first unit. But but uh, when you look at three wide receivers, you know, it might be between Johnson and Jones as to who's number three. And and if the what he showed out there, he didn't make a lot of catches necessarily, but he showed good route running and. And the way that he's been described by not only, you know, 
Kelton Copeland, who praised him quite a bit, and, and Kirk. I think it really says that he's uh, they, they have a lot of faith in him. And if he can make a lot of growth, and he has that opportunity, not only in the next two weeks, but over the summer and in fall camp, there's no reason not to play him. I mean, if he's that good. So I, I think he's going to, at minimum, play a lot, if not start. And I think Arlen Bruce will also be on the field. I think he's too good to, to sit. Scott Docterman joining us from the athletic offensive line. Usually go back to uh, right up the street from us here at Valley High School. 2015, didn't look like they could block. They go undefeated that year. The offensive line looked awful. Offensive lines without some pieces. How it looked to you and how you think it's going to come together for 2021? <laughs> it always looks awful. It does. <laughs> you know, and a lot of times it's because of the defense they're facing. Right. And they're pretty good, too. And, uh, you know, I, I, you, you saw what you saw. And, uh, you know, uh, Dick DeYoung stepping in at, at right tackle. I think he's he's a, uh, he's got projects to be a pretty good player eventually. I don't know that he'll start. Cody Hintz was on the sideline. Uh, you know, the the left side, you know, Jack Plum is, is the guy where the spotlight's on him. He's at the at the eight-figure position for NFL paychecks, and uh, let's see what he could do. Uh, Zach Van Valkenburg kind of got the best of him, I thought. Um, you know, Tyler Linderbaum played well. It, it was, you know, it was just, I think, bought both sides of the line of scrimmage. Uh, there were so many absences that it was hard to get mm. a real good read on everything. I, you know, I, I mean, on the offensive line, you, you didn't have, uh, you had Mason Richmond playing guard. I think that's, He's either going to be there or right tackle. And then uh, Cody Ince was out. Justin Britt was out. So I, I, it's hard to really read what I saw out of that. I mean, you know, I, I will say this, that I thought the quarterbacks played pretty well, all things considered. And I thought the running game was pretty good, too. I thought Tyler Goodson, you know, I mean, I shouldn't be surprised, but he really looked great on Saturday and had some really good runs. So, um, I, I don't think it's anything to be concerned about because even when you're looking about the 2015 team, uh, you know they they started, you know, Boot Myers who was a walk on, Cole Crossan who was a walk on, and uh, and then you had uh, who was the other one, Dyke Bucker who was came there as a as a uh, tight end. So that there's there's a lot there. Uh, anything from the defense, Doc, um, that, that they'll stick with you in our final couple of minutes? Your one takeaway watching the defense. Um, back seven is going to be as good as any, I think, in the conference. Um, there's some questions up front. Uh, John Wagoner was part of your eye-catching uh, piece. Uh, what did you see defensively, Doc? Uh, your one takeaway, if you can limit it to that. Yeah, John Wagner. He's the guy. Um, I, I wondered how he would perform. I thought he... He's kind of an ascending player, and he looks the part. Uh, and granted, he went against an experienced tackle, but uh, very physical. Uh, looks bigger than what he's listed. I don't think they've updated the weights, and I think he'll be an anchor for that defensive line at the at the left side. And there there'll be a little bit of a drop off from Chauncey Golston, but I think John Wagner is going to be a, a high quality, all Big Ten caliber defensive end. Defensive line. In the middle, and I know they were without some guys, but I kept hearing and seeing on Twitter as I was doing some yard work, who's this walk-on? Who's this kid from Illinois? Louis Steck? Is that how we pronounce this kid's name? And can this guy actually be part of the rotation? Uh, maybe. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I just kind of looked at him. I'm like, is he? Is this cannon fodder or what? Right. You know, he, uh, you know, he's like six foot, 250 pounds, and just, you know, 
crazy, you know, yeah. <laughs> to be out there doing what he's doing. I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't see him being part of the rotation necessarily, but you know, he might turn into an innings eater. You know, mm-hmm. that hey, you need to just get somebody out there to to take space for a couple of for a series or a handful of plays to give somebody a breather. Sure, he can do that. And uh, hey, if you get somebody like that who's that tough and hard to move, and you know, that's exactly what you need. You don't need. Um, you know, a, a sacker from that position all the time. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. Doc, great stuff. Uh, appreciate you uh, coming on. You've got a chat, a live chat, in an hour and ten minutes. Uh, is it, It's only for Athletic subscribers, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Gotcha. So another reason for you to sign up for The Athletic. Doc's got a chat with you Hawkeye fans uh, coming up here noon till one today. Doc, have a great week. We'll talk to you in seven days. Thank you for what you do for us. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Scott Dockerman of The Athletic. Uh, Alex Smith just announced his retirement. Oh, he did? Comeback player of the year. One of the greatest comebacks in the history of the league, for my money. Yeah, what a way to go out. Absolutely. Do you remember the picture of his wife when the starter got hurt? It was a rainy day. I think it was at FedEx. Mm Mm-hmm. And he came into the game (laughs) midway through the game. I don't remember the picture. Oh, just the... uh, you oh know, yeah, the anxiety that must have uh, uh, befallen her watching her husband walk out of the field after what he went through. Ooh, that's wild. Yeah, hey, uh, you know we talked last week about what Florida State is doing and as it pertains yes. to name, image, and likeness. Central Florida's put the during their spring game the players' Twitter handle on there. Mm-hmm. So I was uh, looking up Louis Steck and I just saw the reports and his name kept coming up on Twitter on Saturday. Who is this kid? And so I went to the roster page. He's listed at six foot one, two sixty one. Not exactly a defensive tackle in the Big Ten, but on their roster page at HawkeyeSports.com, has their number, their name, their position, everything you normally have, and their Twitter handle. Really, is now up. Kirk Ferentz's football program That's... on the roster page at HawkeyeSports.com. Also has their Twitter handle listed there. You don't have to go back too very far, Trent, to remember the time when they couldn't tweet. There's a guy that evolves, changes, adapts. Yeah. I hope he gets in the basketball coach's ear. Tells him this isn't such a bad thing. Uh, we'll come back and finish out the hour. Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO and 10s. To sell your home. Final couple of minutes of the first hour of the program. Another key word coming up in hour number two at about 11.25. We will start hour two with Matt Snyder on baseball from over the weekend. And then we'll get into the Big 12 with Matt Postens from Heartland College Sports. Talked a lot of, well, we've talked all Iowa in the first hour of the program. Uh, let's, uh, this little nugget. Did you see this yesterday from Lewis Riddick from ESPN? Yeah. Of course, Monday Night Football. I think he's a terrific uh, um, pair of eyes scouting the NFL draft. Um, and he was asked about, um, you know, kind of um, a diamond in the rough type of player. And his response was Amir Smith Marset, wide receiver. Here's what he had to say Great name, great speed, underutilized at Iowa, period. Mm-hmm. He should have had a all caps huge production. He was open over and over, and they simply didn't throw it to him. He goes to the right situation on the league. He'll explode onto the scene. Well, he did have some drops. Yeah. Um, but I don't disagree with the premise that he was open. 
and that and quarterback then lose the lose the backflip into the end zone, right right that quarterback is back this season uh-huh. i'm not a believer in petrus i i think the the highest upside you're going to get is 8 and 4 9 and 3 what iowa has been you want to break through and i think the opportunity is there in the big 10 west to play in a championship game now you might get clubbed by ohio state but to get there mm-hmm. you need somebody do other. they have that quarterback on the roster Hour number two coming up next. We will get into baseball, do some Big 12. Before we get out of here at noon, it's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.